If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew, the 11th chapter. Matthew, chapter number 11. And we'll begin our reading at verse number 16. Matthew 11, verse number 16. And again, we've been uh, highlighting some of the uh, things that we learned through our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course. And again, we'll, we'll, we're going to pick back up with the next uh, phase of that journey, uh, beginning the first week in March, with Emotionally Healthy Relationships. And again, I, I encourage you to uh, get signed up, amen, for that uh, course because it'll transform the way you do life, the way you do relationships. Because if, if, if the truth be told, guys, uh, most of our problems are people problems. Can I get two people to raise their hand and say, yeah, I got people, folks. If I didn't have to deal with people, I'd be all right. But here's, here's the thing that we got to realize and understand. God saved us in order for us to deal with people. God left us here on this earth after having redeemed our sinful uh, ways, redeemed us from our sinful ways and saved our souls. He left us here on earth to deal with people. So if we're going to please God, we got to get better at relationship building and get better at learning how to interface with people who may be a little bit different than we are. God forbid. (laughs) God called us and saved us so that we could be his tool or his instrument to get other people saved and to help nourish and encourage them in their faith walk. So we got to learn how to do that. Amen. So, so we're going to look at today, we're going to talk about growing into emotional maturity, which is the, the crux of, of the first uh, course that we did on emotional health and spirituality. Getting to the point to where we are emotionally mature. Because how many of you know you can be saved and an emotional baby? How many of y'all ever dealt with some babies in the church? If you read Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, you know that the Corinthian church had a... Had a had a church full of babies. And because of their immaturity, their emotional immaturity, there was a lot of stuff going on that was not in line with God's will and prevented them from being as effective as they could have been in, in, in advancing kingdom principles. So we're going to talk about growing into emotional immaturity. Some of y'all married to some emotionally immature people. Huh? And you say, yeah, preacher, yeah, preacher, preacher, I, I, need, to, I need to hear how to deal with them. But we're going to talk about how to deal with you. Because see, we always point at the other person. And what God is trying to do with us is to get us to evaluate ourselves. And that's, that tends to be a little bit harder to do than evaluating somebody else. Would, would, would you agree? Would you agree it's a little bit harder? It's a little bit easier to point out somebody else's stuff than to look at our own stuff. Can I get a witness? So the text says here in Matthew the 11th chapter, And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 16. And here we see Jesus talking. And this this comes on the tail end of him talking about John the Baptist and his ministry and how he flowed. And look at what he says here. To what can I compare this generation? Is it like children playing a game in the public square? They complain to their friends. Look at this. We played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking and you say he's possessed by a demon. (laughs) The son of man, on the other hand, this is Jesus talking about himself, 
feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. Everybody say wisdom is shown to be right by its results. We're going to talk about growing into emotional maturity. Um, and we're going to look at 1 Peter 2 in just a second here. But look at this key thought I want you to focus in on as we go through this particular text on growing into emotional maturity. A lot of Christians are committed to their personal relationship with Jesus Christ and in many ways are practicing spiritual dis- disciplines. You guys come to church, you come to Bible study, you sign up for the class, uh, you, you, you go and help, help with missions and all those type of things. You, 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 you fast and you pray. However, the problem is that our commitment to Jesus typically has not included relating to people in an emotionally mature way. And as a result, we misapplied biblical truth and followed the relational skills learned unconsciously in our family growing up. In other words, a lot of us handle relationships, whether we realize it or not, unconsciously, we handle relationships the same way we saw our parents or what was cultivated in our family of origin. Because if you grow up in a home, you there 18 to 20 years, some of you 30 years, some of you maybe 40 years, however long you were there in the house, that has to have impact on you. Subconsciously, we do stuff not even knowing that we're doing it. We're doing it the same way mama did it. We handled it the same way our sister did, our family of origin did. So the problem that we have in the church today, I think, is that, that people come and learn biblical truths, but because we are not emotionally maturing and we're not getting to that stuff that's beneath the surface, that iceberg, that stuff that 90% that's below the surface, that nobody talks about or deals with, and we don't typically address, because we don't address that stuff, it affects our ability to apply the stuff that we're learning. Every week, amen, every Sunday and every Wednesday and when we in our personal quiet time. So, again, growing into emotional maturity. Now, when we look at this text here, uh, Jesus here uh, was talking about the generation that, that, that he was addressing at that time, his generation, the childishness of Jesus' generation. When looking at his own generation, the most adequate illustration that Jesus could come up with was to describe them uh, was, was that of children, Okay. He was saying that his own generation was a childish generation. And I would say that a lot of our generations that are growing up were childish too. <laughs> uh, by childish, he meant perverse. His generation was a perverse generation. They turned away from that which was right and good to that which was corruptible. And they acted contrary to the evidence, guys. They were opposed to that which was right, that which was reasonable, that which was acceptable, and they were stubborn in their opposition. It's one thing to be opposed to something, but to be stuck in it and to be stubborn and not willing to receive truth is another whole ball game. They were just mindless. They were just contrary. How many of y'all know some contrary people? They would argue with a stop sign. They would go right up to it and say, you don't say stop, you say go. So I'm going to go. You don't mean stop. They would argue with a stop sign. They were contrary. This generation was contrary and they did not want the truth. Let's be careful. They did not want the truth. So they made excuses for not receiving the truth. You all are, are in, are in relationship with people like that in your family, coworkers, or even fellow church members who, who, who don't want the truth. 
So they make up excuses for not receiving the truth. Well, you know, I, I, I would sign for that class, but, you know, uh, I, I, I ain't got time. And, and Pastor Adam know I work hard. Well, everybody works hard, right? All right. But my, my question to you is, when are you going to have time for God? If your time for God is only this two hour period on Sunday, you are missing the boat. You are out of the will of God because God wants to be involved in our lives 24 seven. And he wants to spend time with us. He wants to cultivate our walk with him. So they did not want the truth. So they made up excuses for not receiving the truth. The illustration is clearly understood that Jesus gives here. Children are playing in the marketplace and a few begin to play wedding music on their pipes and, 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 and cry out to others. Let's march and play wedding. Uh, the others shout back, no, we don't want to dance around today. And so the first group still wanted to play, begin to play funeral music and shout back, well, let's play funeral. <laughs> no, we don't want to play funeral either. We don't feel like acting sad. Now, again, this generation was contrary. What the point that Jesus is making is you couldn't do anything to satisfy them. And you couldn't do anything to satisfy them. And, and everything was wrong. And, and they wouldn't receive anything, whether it, was, whether, it was, whether it was celebratory wedding music or whether it was sad funeral music. Either way, they were going to, they will come back with, 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 a, with a negative answer. And, and there are people in our lives, guys, that are just like that. You can't, they won't receive anything that's good. So, so this generation was contrary. They were fault finders who couldn't be pleased. They find fault in whatever is suggested, guys, and they just can't accept and be pleased with anything that puts restrictions upon what they want to do. They find fault. Uh, with the separatist approach to the gospel and they find fault with a social approach to the gospel. Now, in this text right here, Jesus talks about John the Baptist in the first part of this chapter. And see, this generation that Jesus was dealing with, they accused John the Baptist of separation because John came neither eating nor drinking. He was, was, John was one who who lived out in the wilderness. He separated himself and he preached the gospel of repentance. He had a no frills, uh, 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 lived a strict dietary life and and he was was a guy that, that was not around a lot of people. But John was the forerunner of Christ. He came to declare that a Messiah was coming. He was not the Messiah, but John, they accused of separation and Jesus, uh, they accused of being worldly. Because whereas John separated himself out in the wilderness, preaching the gospel of repentance, uh, strict, no frills type lifestyle, you had Jesus who was the, the very opposite of John. He lived and preached the gospel of liberty. He ate and associated with people, shared in their social affairs, went to weddings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on now, y'all. Jesus was 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 connected. He sat down uh, and called a guy out of a sycamore tree named was it Zacchaeus and said, "I'm coming to eat at your house tonight." Jesus was very sociable, and these religious leaders, especially, were not sociable people. They were tied. They were they would observe strict holy days. They would do all this kind of stuff. But they, they failed to interface with people. They failed to give time to ministering and sharing with people. Jesus moved around amongst all sorts of people, mixing and making himself accessible to all, no matter how terrible they were thought to be. Because tax collectors were considered to be some of the most notorious sinners of that day. But yet Jesus ate with them. Now, I, got, I, got, I want to ask you a question as you look at your life. Are you a person who's seeking to 
build a relationship with people regardless of what, what they look like and what they do? Are you, are you one who, who's willing to say, you know what, I want to be like Christ Jesus, where even though he didn't do the things that the world did, but he connected himself with people who were worldly. Because Jesus knew that in order to have uh, influence on a person's life, you got to connect with them. It's more to it than just coming to church. It's more to it than just handing them a pamphlet and say, read this. It's about building a relationship. And so whereas they were critical of John because he separated from people, but they were critical of Jesus because he interfaced with people. In other words, this, this generation that Jesus talks about here, they were so childish and contrary. It didn't matter whether you separated or you connected, they were going to criticize you. And there are people like that. Here's what I've decided, guys. As the pastor of this church and as a Christian man, I decide that people are going to talk whether you do good and they're going to talk whether you do bad. So I might well keep, just try to do good and please the Lord, and I know I'm going to be all right with him than to try to please people who one day they're up, the next day they're down. Next day they level to the ground. They're not steadfast and unmovable. So I got to make sure that I'm pleasing God and you have to make sure that you're pleasing God too. Can I get a witness? Because again, some folks you just can't please. Have y'all discovered that in your life? Are y'all married to somebody like that? Say, oh Lord Jesus. Say, help me Jesus. If you are, it's time for both of y'all to get connected to the Lord. Here's what I discovered. Marriage is... Uh, marriage is honorable in all, debate on the file. God ordains marriage. And the problem that a lot of marriages have is that, that one of the other person is not growing spiritually. They're not connected to Jesus. And they keep trying to do marriage based off of their own skill set and their own thinking. And baby, when you leave Jesus out of your relationship, you, as a Christian, when you leave Jesus out of your marriage, you're asking for trouble. The Bible says a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. And in a marital relationship, you, you should have God and husband and wife. When you leave God out, you're asking for trouble. Can I get a witness? And so this child, this generation tried to justify their inconsistency. Whether it was they were criticizing John for being a separatist or they were criticizing Jesus for being too sociable. You could not please them. And so Jesus, Jesus decided to live and preach a gospel of liberty. The people were like children, they found fault with both, both he and John the Baptist. So, so they were, they were, I would say without a shadow of a doubt, some of those were not even saved, but, but at a very minimum, they were, they were emotionally immature. Now, let's look at the problem of emotional immaturity. Part of growing into an emotionally mature Christian is learning how to effectively apply and practice the truths that we believe. Let's go to James chapter number one. In verse number 22, James chapter number one, verse number 22. Part of the problem, come on, uh, part of growing into, in, into emotional mature Christians is learning how to effectively, everybody say effectively. Effectively, effectively apply and practice the truths we believe or we say we believe. Because guys, I've got news for you. True belief manifests itself in action that connects with what you say you believe. If you say you believe something, but your actions don't connect with what you say you believe, I'm here to tell you, you're lying to yourself. And it's a bad thing to lie to yourself. Can I get a witness? Look at what James tells us here in James 1 and verse number 22. Are y'all with me? Let's read out loud on purpose. It says what? But don't just listen 
to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. There it is. There it is. You come into church, you're here, and, and you think you're connected to God, but you're really not because all you do is come, and the thing that you hear and you learn, you don't apply. You don't even try to apply it. You leave here and forget everything that was said. You never go back and examine the scripture. You never even connect with the class. You, you get a book, and then it, 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 you never mark. If you don't have, listen, I'm a marker. I like to mark and highlight stuff. And so if, if you never even spend time cracking the book, it still looks like it's new then you're not applying, amen, spiritual principles and disciplines in your everyday life. So James says, you must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourself. Look with me at verse number 23. Let's go. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. He says, you see yourself, you walk away, and forget what you look like. 25. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. God will bless you for coming to church. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? No, God will bless you for what? What is it? Doing the word, the thing, you look into the perfect law of liberty to set you free. Uh, uh, and, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, God will bless you for doing it. Everybody say the blessing is in the doing. Say the blessing, come on, brother, is in the doing. Say the blessing, come on, it's in the doing. Say the blessing is in the doing. Now, guys, some of y'all, all of your Christian life, you thought the blessing was in the hearing. But that's not what it says, is it? Because many of us have heard messages preached throughout the years. Many of us have went to marriage fellowships and, and learned the tools. Many of us have, have went to singles ministry and, and went to financial seminars to tell you how to use your money. Uh, not your money, it's God's money, but God lets you handle it for a little while, right? And when you go to seminars, it tells you how to have financial management, but you leave there and in your mind's eye, you think, well, that don't work for me. I'm going to keep doing it my way. Let me, let me, let me hit a little closer home. We, we, we look at uh, 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 ways to, uh, uh, to, to, to get more healthy physically. Come on. All right. And we go and see a, our doctor for our annual checkup. <laughs> yeah, right. And he tells us we need to drop some pounds. Come on. He tells us we need to eat a little healthy. Come on. And we hear it. And what do we do? We nod. I'm talking to myself, Brother Kenny Wayne. We nod and we say, I'm going I'm to do better. Okay, can I, I'm, talk, I'm, I'm telling on myself, but I need some of y'all to have some confession today because confession is good for your soul in this place today. How many of y'all have been told by your physician, your primary care physician, that you got you to you regulate your diet a little bit better? Anybody in the house? How many of y'all have been told that, okay, you, you, you can't eat this stuff because it'll run your high blood pressure up, right? But guess what? The blessing ain't in what he said. The blessing is doing what he said. Can I get a witness? I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. The blessing is in the doing. Can y'all, can, can y'all, can y'all say it with me? Say the blessing. I heard, say, I heard you, Pastor. Say the blessing is in the doing. And guys, that is consistent with every area of our life, whether it's in our finances, how we handle that, whether it's in our relationship, how we do those. The blessing is in the doing and not just in the hearing. Coming to church and hearing the message, 
hearing a message through song or in the priest message won't do you any good if you're not willing to do the stuff. He says the blessing, God will bless you for doing it. Now watch this. We, when we don't walk out our beliefs in everyday life, our churches and relationships within the church are not any significantly better or, than what the world is around us. Let me say, look, 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 look at that again. When we don't walk out our beliefs in everyday life, our churches and relationships within the church are not significant, are not significantly from the, are not significantly different from the world around us. That's why people say, well, you know, I, uh, uh, I don't want to go, why am I going to go to church and them folks, folks in the churches and messes us out here. And in some cases that's true, but that's an excuse, right? That going back to what a childish generation does, uh, they, they will, they will, uh, Find every excuse not to adhere the truth. Just because, uh, just because a few people who you may know are messy and don't do right, don't mean that everybody's messy and don't do right, right? Because you know we don't, we don't. It, it's amazing how we do that with church, but we don't do that with our job. You don't stop going to work, and I, I promise you, you got some messy folks on your job, right? Some unsafe people on your job, but you keep going there, don't you? Guys, there is no excuse when you know better, when you've been taught better, not to do better. And, and guys, I'm going to tell you something. Some, some, some of you all, uh, uh, you know, God's going God's to have to whip you real good because you've been in this thing a long time. And, and, and God's not going to baby you when, you when you should know better. You've been taught better. You've been connected for 15, 20 years and still acting like you're two years old. Guys, it's time to grow up. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word so that you can grow thereby. So if our churches and the relationship within them are not any significantly different in the world, then how, 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 pray tell me, can we have the kingdom impact that God desires for us to have? It won't happen, guys, until we start uh, getting emotionally mature so that our relationships can be better and we can connect with people on, on, on a higher level. God wants to use us. Make no mistake about it. God chose to use man to deliver man. He speaks through us to another man. He didn't use angels to get men saved. The preaching of the word of God and the declaring of the gospel message is up to men. So we got to get better at these relationships, okay? So let's let's look at in our study, guys, we, we, this is by way of review. I'm going to pop these up real quick. We're going to roll through them because I don't want to get stuck on them, but I need you to, to, to be reminded of this. And as we go through these, I want you to evaluate where you may be on this spectrum. All right? So the different emotional stages we discovered. The first one was emotional infants. It's sad, but we have some emotional infants in the church. And guess what? It's not based off of age. Many Christians are growing chronologically in their age because every year your birthday comes around, doesn't it? Hello? Every year your birthday comes around and you get a year older. But it does not necessarily mean that you're getting more emotionally mature. So we have some 50-year-old babies in the church, some 20-year-old babies, and we have some Little seven-year-old babies in the church. We got even some 80-year-old babies in the church. So what, what, what does an emotional infant look like? Number one, they look for others to take care of them. 
Second thing is they have great difficulty entering into the world of others. If you are the person who is detached and you don't, you don't very easily uh, connect with other people, you probably are still in this infancy stage. The babies are driven by need for instant gratification. If, you don't, if it doesn't happen right now, if it don't happen in the next three weeks, Pastor, I'll give it a try. But if it don't happen, I'm out of there. That's an emotional infant. And lastly, they use others as objects to meet their needs. That's, 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 the, that's the characteristic of, of, of an emotional infant. The next one we, we looked at was emotional children. Look at emotional children. They are content and happy as long as they receive what they want. Some of y'all married to those kind of folks. Aren't they? Some of y'all married to an emotional child. They happy and content as long as they get what they want. See, guys, when... When you learn how to do relationships well and, and learn how to do them God's way, you understand that you won't always get your way. Everything won't go your way. And so stop, stop whining, throwing a fit. How many of y'all had children that threw fists before? You know, just walk, fall out on the floor and just wall and kick and scream. That's what some adults do. You know, I remember this real, this, this is back when Kmart was still a retail establishment. How many of y'all remember Kmart? Um, and this is when Sandra must have been, I don't know, two or three years old, uh, two or three years old. And we were in Kmart shopping. And um, <laughs> she wanted something. I, I, I forgot what it was, but she started whining and throwing one of those fits. And just falling out down up under the clothes rack. Any of y'all children ever did it before? Well, guess what? Sandra threw a fit, and that was the last time she threw that fit. Because I guess, you know, sometimes children think you won't get after them when you're around a lot of other folks. But, but, but Maria got her real good. She pulled up by the arm and wore her tail out right there in the store. And she never threw a fit that I'm aware of in the store again. But, 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 but some of y'all are in relationship with people, grown adults, who are throwing fits. They may not be physically wallowing and, and screaming, but they, 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 they're spiritually and emotionally do, that they're doing that. So, so emotional children are content and happy as long as they receive what they want. Next thing is they, emotional children unravel quickly from stress, disappointments, and trials. They, they, they just, they can't handle the stress. They, when trials come, they just give up. They, they, they unravel when, when they, when they're disappointed about something. The next thing is, is that they interpret disagreements as personal offenses. In other words, if you're an emotional child, if, 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 if I disagree with you, you think it's personal. Hello? And especially when it comes to ministry, if you're going to, if you're going to work in ministry and be somebody God can use, you're going to have to learn that sometimes people are going to think different than you or maybe they won't agree or maybe they're going to do it a different way, but it's not personal. That's one thing we've learned. And again, guys, I, I, tell, I told you all this before and I said it again. I appreciate the team that God has put together to allow us to live stream our services and the, and the behind the scenes stuff that we do to, to, to get the message out in this in this global pandemic that we're living in because we do have re restrictions on attendance uh, and there are people who because of health issues shouldn't be in this place right now because of the risk involved of getting COVID-19. So so we have to ramp up and get a team together to, to allow the live stream to go out in a quality fashion. 
And guys, the, the, that team has done an outstanding job. Amen. We've been working and tweaking and trying to fix some things. And we, 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 we still are always doing that. And so when you're doing that, working and tweaking and trying to make it better, you have to, you, you cannot afford to be a, an emotional child because whenever a disagreement comes up or, or, ever, when, or if there's an area that you're over that we're saying, okay, that's not quite what we want, and you get mad because it's pointed out that that's not quite what we want, and you take it personally, then that kind of person doesn't go very far in ministry. But I thank God for who we have, those who are working, and, and we're learning. And, 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 and I would tell you, in, in all honesty, along this spectrum, people are growing. Because we've had people who, who didn't know how to take you know, correction or, 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 or an adjustment. Can I get a witness? When you have to make adjustments in life, don't take it personally. But an emotional child, well, they'll interpret disagreements as a personal offense, and they get mad at you and want to quit. Well, I, well, well I just, y'all can just have it. Have it? Wait a minute. We're just trying to say, let's make it better. How many of y'all work with people like that? Huh? They, they, they take it personally and they get all upset because you said, well, let, let, let's do it a different way, okay? I, I know that you, you spend all day on doing that, but that, that's not quite what I want. Emotional children. They complain. Watch this. They, they are easily hurt. Um, easily hurt, right? And they complain. They withdraw, they manipulate, they take revenge, they become sarcastic when they, when, they, when they don't get their way and they have great difficulty calmly discussing their needs and wants in a mature and loving way. They don't know how to, they don't know how to talk about what they're really feeling and what they want and what their, what their issue is. They just withdraw. That's an emotional child. Now, now, when you look at those characteristics, now I want you to go back and study in your book. Are you an emotional child? Do you... Do you get easily offended? Do you, do, you, do you complain and you withdraw or do you manipulate situations or do you take revenge or do you become sarcastic? That's an emotional child. The third stage is an emotional adolescence. They tend to be defensive or threatened and alarmed by criticism. They keep score of what they give so that they can ask for something later on in return. Are y'all in a relationship with people like that who when they give you something, they do something for you, you don't hear about it. See, listen, I, listen, if we're going to do it the way Jesus said do it, when we serve and we give and we pour in people's lives, we don't do that expecting something in return. We do it because that's God's will for our life. Can I get a witness? But, but, but emotional adolescents, they keep score of what they give so they can ask for something later in return. They deal with conflict poorly, often blaming, appeasing, going to a third party, pouting, or ignoring the issue altogether. And problems don't get solved by you ignoring them and hoping that they go away. What tends to happen is, is people bury that stuff and they become bitter and resentful over a period of time. So if there's an issue, learn how to do what Jesus said in Matthew the 18th chapter. If there's an alt between you and your brother, you do what? Go to him one-on-one and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you gain your brother. And then if you're still not resolved, take two or three more spiritual people with you and address the issue, letting them understand that in the mouth of two or three witnesses everywhere it will be established. And they still don't hear you, bring it before church council and discuss the issue and let church council make a decision. And they still are contrary and doing it the wrong way, then at that point in time, church council makes a decision to say, we got to separate from you because you, you are a reprobate. That's what the Bible says. See, but if you're not emotionally mature, you can't do that, okay? The, 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 the next thing is they become preoccupied with themselves. And they have 
they have great difficulty uh, truly listening to another person's pain, disappointments, or need. That's what an emotional adolescent is. But emotional dust. Look at emotional dust. That's what, here's what we're trying to get to, guys. Because if we got a church full of emotional adults, then we can handle problems effectively. We can deal with issues effectively. We'll, we'll be focused and dialed in on our main purpose and our main goal. One of the things we try to do here is, is, is our tagline is building faith and connecting families. So when we build in faith, that means that we're trying to build up the faith of those who are saved and to try to bring people to faith who are not saved. And then we want to connect family units, amen, because when we connect family units, it makes the church strong. So emotional adults are able to ask for what they need, want, or prefer clearly, directly, and honestly. That's what emotional adults do. They don't beat around the bush, okay? They, are, they, 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 they ask for what they want or prefer clearly, directly, and honestly. They recognize, they manage, and take responsibility for their own thoughts and feelings. Yeah. I told y'all before, a lot of y'all will go around saying, well, they made me mad or they made me cuss. How's somebody going to make you cuss them out? As a matter of fact, I told you before, technically speaking, people can't make you mad. They made me mad by what they said. Uh, no, no, no. It's how you received it and how you decide to respond. You're the one who controls your emotions. And until you learn that, you'll keep blaming somebody else for your acting a fool up in here, up in here. Are y'all with me? So, so, so recognize, manage, and take responsibility for their own thoughts and their feelings. Uh, the emotional adults can, when under stress, state their own beliefs and values without becoming adversarial. Emotional adults respect others without having to change them. See, a lot of us try to change people from their personality bent that God made them. I'm not talking about something that's, that's evil and wrong, but people have different personality bents. Quit trying to make your husband just like you. Is this mic still on? I said, wife, quit trying to make your husband like you. Husbands, quit trying to make your wife just like you. Are y'all with me? Can I get one amen out there? If your personality bent is such that you are a, 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 a quiet, a reserved person, you know, okay, quiet and reserved, it's good, but learn how to deal with relationships and, and it may be a little bit of a struggle for you, but learn how to do that. But if, you, if, your, if your personality bent is to be jovial, uh, laughing, don't, don't try to snuff that out of your, uh, the person who you're in a relationship with. Hello? Stop all that laughing and joking. Don't take all that. Wait, 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 wait a minute, baby. Come on now. If everybody in the church was like you, what kind of church would we have? Hello? I don't need everybody in the church to be like me. I want everybody in the church to be like Jesus. Each one of us have different personality bents. And so I, I've learned my wife's personality bent is different than mine. We're different, but we complement each other. So rather than uh, trying to dog out and beat out the differences, we learn how to, 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 to value our, our differences because our differences make us one, uh, one as whole, okay? Where I'm, where I'm weak, she's strong. And where I'm strong, she may be weak. And so us coming together makes for a strong situation. Are y'all with me? So quit trying to change people. Respect others 
without having to change them. Now, now, now understand what this means now. If, 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 if you're in a relationship with somebody who's doing some sinful stuff, don't, don't let them tell you, well, you know, Pastor Adam said, don't try to change me. I'm just going to be me. I ain't talking about sinful stuff. I'm talking about personality bents. Because we need some people in the church who are not like you. Some of y'all don't meet a stranger. In other words, you, you, you're very relational. You go up, and we need people like that because everybody was shy and doing this. Thing, but you know, I ain't going to speak to them. How, how are we going to get people saved? How are we going to be in relationships? We need all kinds of personality bits. So stop trying to change that person who you're in a relationship with. And that's the, are, y'all, are y'all feeling me? See, when you're emotionally immature uh, and you're a baby, you want everybody to be just like you. Y'all remember in high school when, when <laughs> if you had a friend, you didn't like this girl. But if the girl that you were friend with start talking to this girl over here, you got mad with her because she was talking to the girl that you didn't like. Anybody in the house? Listen, listen, that is childish. And some of y'all are 40 and 50 still got the same mentality. Well, they ain't inviting me over to the dinner. Huh? You upset because they had a dinner. And maybe they only wanted a few people. And it's COVID too. They didn't, have, they didn't need 50 people piled up in any house. But you got mad because you didn't get invited to the dinner. Everybody said that's childish. You can invite whoever you want to your house. Glory to God. But what we're going to discover is, is when we look at hospitality. Oh my gosh, I got to go. I got to move. Hospitality, the ministry of hospitality, we're going to talk about just, just, just a little bit. Glory to God, if I can get there. All right. We're going to understand that that's, that's something that we all should be doing. In other words, uh, respect others without having to change them. Give people room to make m- mistakes and not be perfect. Uh, appreciate people for who they are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, not for what they give back. Accurately assess their own limits, strengths, and weaknesses and are able to freely discuss them with others. We got limits, we got strengths, we got weaknesses. Are you willing to discuss those? Are deeply in tune with their own emotional world and able to enter into the feelings, needs, and concerns of others without losing themselves. And lastly, emotionally, uh, emotional adults have the capacity to resolve conflict maturely and negotiate solutions that consider the perspective of others. When you're an emotional adult, you learn how to deal with conflict, and that's a problem that a lot of Christians don't, don't, don't do very well. We don't do very well. We don't deal with conflict well. So, so when we look at this thing, as Jesus was talking about that generation that was, um, that was childish, and you couldn't do anything to please them, I believe we have a same type generation today. As a matter of fact, go with me right quick to 1 Peter chapter number 2 uh, and look at verse 1 through 3 with me right quick. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter number 2, verses 1 through 3. Everybody say, growing into emotional maturity. That's what we're trying to get to. We're trying to get out of this rut to where we don't relate well with people. And we got to let God help us get there. Amen. The text says, so, so get rid of all evil behavior. Peter says, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. What, look at what he says. Can y'all read that with me out loud on purpose? It says what? So get rid of all evil behavior. So again, when I said, don't try to change people. If you're in a relationship with somebody who's doing stuff that's evil, the Bible says, get rid of all evil behavior. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us as believers, we discovered this when we read it 
that, that if, it's in 1 Corinthians, 1 or 2 Corinthians, it says that if, if, you're in, if you're in relationship with somebody who's saved, but they're doing unsaved stuff and they have a sinful lifestyle, Paul says, don't even eat with those folks. That's what he said. I'm not talking about somebody who's struggling, trying to get over something, but I'm talking about somebody who's resolved that this is my lifestyle, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it, and I don't care what that pastor say. As a matter of fact, I don't care what that Bible say. And if you are around that kind of person who's a member of a church who claims to be saved, Paul said don't hang out with them, don't even eat dinner with them. But if it's somebody who's unsaved, then you need to connect with them. Because he says, you have to leave this world to not be around unsaved people who have evil behavior. That's why we're here, to plug in and connect with them. But if somebody who's a member of your church, somebody, somebody who's, say, born again, and they're living a, a devilish and, and a contrary lifestyle, and it's what they do, Paul says you remove yourself with the purpose of getting them to understand that how they're living is not right, and prayerfully by you removing yourself, they'll realize the error of their ways and turn around and repent. That's why you don't, you don't remove yourself because you think you're better than they are, but you're trying to drive them to repentance, to understand that this is not right. Can I get a witness? All right, so now watch this. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Be done with it. How many of y'all this year have said some unkind stuff? Unkind speech. Look at what the text says. The text says, get rid of be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Look at what the next verse says. Watch this, verse 2. Like newborn babies, you must what? Crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Look at what it says. Desire... And craves pure spiritual milk. The milk he's talking about is the word of God. It's through the word of God that we, when we desire it, we grow. So listen, guys, what you ought to be doing is crying out for more milk. You ought to be crying out, say, Pastor, I know we only do the word on Sundays and Wednesday, but you know what? I need some more. Any of y'all ever said that before? He says, cry out for this nourishment. Cry out for it. You need to desire it. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Now, cry out for this nourishment. I got news for you. If you don't draw near to God, if you are standing off from God, God will do everything uh, but just make you come. He's not going to make you because he gave you a free, free will, but he will orchestrate circumstances where you, where you see him and your need for him. But, but your spiritual growth will not take place if you choose not to participate. And that's why, guys, I don't try to make grown tail folks do anything. I said grown tail. Because you spend time trying to, Man, come on, man. Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you sign up for the course and the study? And man, why, why, don't, why don't you? Why don't you uh, pray with us, man? Why don't, now I understand trying to bring somebody along, but I'm talking about somebody who's been in this thing for a long period of time and they know better. 
We're going to come after you, but we can't make you. And guess what? If we made you and you were only doing it because we made you because we kept putting pressure on you and your heart was not in it, how are you going to really grow? So you got the hunger and thirst after righteousness. Cry out for this nourishment. Look at verse number three with the right quick. Come on, let's go. It says what? Now that you have had, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness or the Lord's goodness, cry out for the Lord's goodness. Okay. So the spiritual discipline of practicing the presence of people. Let's go to go to Matthew twenty-two and look at verse thirty-seven through forty with me right quick. Let's watch this. Emotionally. Emotionally mature Christian adults recognize that loving well is the essence of true spirituality. Loving well is the essence of true spirituality. We got to learn how to love well. Loving well. Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody who didn't know how to love well? Think about it for a second. I'm talking about on, on, on a natural level now. Maybe you dated somebody who didn't know what love really was. They thought love was just physical touch and sex and sex. They thought love was you, you give me what I want. When I want it, how I want it. And as long as you do that, we're good. But if not, it's going to be a volatile relationship. Baby, that's, that's not love. And if you if you're in connection with somebody who's like that, I'm going to tell you to run. Are y'all with me? Because some stuff just don't make sense. And as a believer, don't get caught up in it. Emotionally mature Christian adults recognize that loving well is the essence of true spirituality. Notice what Jesus said here in Matthew 22. Verse number 37. Matthew, he says, Jesus replied, because they had asked him, what's, what's, what's what, you know, the greatest commandment? He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Next verse says what? This is the first and greatest commandment. They, they, they want to know what's, what's the greatest commandment. He said, love the Lord our God with all the heart, mind, and soul. And this is the first and greatest commandment. Next verse says what? A second is equally important. I don't know where y'all get off thinking that you can be in love with God. You love God. You're pursuing God with all your heart, mind, and soul, but you can't stand people. If your horizontal relationship with people is not right, your vertical relationship with God will be thrown off. He says this, guys. First, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second commandment is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now think about that for a second. All of the law hits on Look at this next verse. Let's read it. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So if you want to boil it all down to what all this stuff is about, loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul, Sherry, and then loving your neighbor as yourself. So if I'm going to love my neighbors myself, then that means I got to learn how to be more relational. Now, I know that there's some of y'all who grew up in families that re- relational connectivity was not something that was, that was practiced, and so you have difficulty doing that now, okay? You know, I, I, I've had to learn, and I'm learning how to be more relational because that was, the, you know, although my parents loved me, that part of, of, of upbringing was not as strong as it needed to be. And I, so I recognize it. 
I'm recognizing that now that, that I have to work a little bit harder because as I'm learning this stuff, I'm applying it. But my natural bent was, you know, hey, I'm cool by myself. Any of y'all out there that way? You know, I, you know, I, I don't have to have a whole, ho- there, there are some people who like to have a crowd around them. And, and, but I don't necessarily have to have that, but I need that. When I say crowd around, I mean, I need relationship, especially in a pastoral position. Can you imagine having a pastor that don't, that don't want to deal with you? That'd be a trip. And guys, there are some ministries where you can't get close to the pastor because you got bodyguards around him. Now, I understand security. I understand we're living in crazy times. But, and, and, and I understand being, being watchful, but, but some of this stuff is egotistical narcissism. And so if you can't call your pastor, you can't talk to your pastor, I think something's wrong. Now, I understand if you're passing 20,000 people, there's no way in the world you can get to know all those folks. So you got to have staff to help you deal with that. So you can't, if, if a pastor tried to meet with everybody need to meet with and you pass a 20,000 member church, then you will not have time to do anything else. So you better bill out the team to help you minister to the, to the, to the, to the, the number of people that God has is, is entrusted you with. But what I'm, what I'm, what I'm talking about is those guys who, 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 who think of themselves so much that you, the little person, you can't come into my presence. That kind of, thing. yeah. Have y'all seen any of that? Where you, you know, you can't come out of the hallway because that's, that's the pastor's hallway there. And they run you out the other way. Listen, again, I understand security, but I'm talking about narcissism. People who are thinking that, that it's all about them. That we, we got to be relational. All of us got to be relational. We got to learn how to do relations well. We got to learn how to love well. Because God wants to use us to reach other people and if we're not relational enough to to have a conversation with somebody how are we going to impact them some of y'all are good at talking to people who you know but I'm I'm talking about people who you may not know very well I'm talking about when the Holy Spirit prompts in your spirit to invite somebody to your house for dinner so you can get to know them a little bit better but you know I don't know that's the point you don't know them, so you invite them to dinner so you can't get to know them. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, I, but, but, Pastor, you know, I don't, I don't know my house. I ain't got this. I got to feed. Well, listen, baby, let me tell you. You don't have to have a palace to invite somebody to your house. Because I, I, let me tell you something. Excuses are just that, Excuses. We can come up with an excuse why not to do what God is telling us to do. But Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor yourself. Emotional mature adults recognize that loving well is the essence of true spirituality. This requires that we experience connection with God. Listen to me. This requires that we experience connection with God, ourselves, which is what we're learning how to do, connect with ourselves through emotionally healthy spirituality and emotionally healthy relationships, Connect with God, ourselves, and with other people. The religious leaders of Jesus' day never made the connection with people. They never delighted in people. They criticized Jesus for hanging with people. They called him a wine-bibber. They called him a lover of sinners. They called him a drunkard, which he wasn't. 
He was, a, he was a lover of sinners. He wasn't doing what the sinners did, but he knew he had to be around sinners to get sinners saved. So how do you get somebody saved and you never even around them? Amen? Are y'all with me? All right, so, so they didn't link loving God with the need to be diligent, zealous, and absolutely committed to growing in their ability to love people. Now watch this. Go to Romans 12th chapter, 9 through 13. We'll throw this on you right quick, and then I'm going to have to let you go. But I knew I wasn't going to finish this today, so we're going to finish next week. The Lord say the same, and I believe you will. Romans the 12th chapter, because I'm trying to get us to a place as a ministry. Guys, during this pandemic, there's, there's been a lot of isolation, loneliness, disconnection. And, and, and through this time period, I, I hope you, you've used it as an opportunity to, to think and to pray and get close to your God and ask God, God, how do you want to use me during these unusual times that we're living in? How can I still do ministry uh, in this limited environment that I'm in? Okay? Watch what the text says here. Romans 12, chapter verse number 9. Y'all there? Let's read. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Next verse, read. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Next verse, let's go. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord how? Enthusiastically. Enthusiastic is is an adverb to describe how we should serve. Don't serve the Lord. I got to to go up here today. It's my turn. Lord, is it my turn again? Do I got to go out there and pray? Do I need to do foot? Now, what kind of attitude is that? The text says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. What? Would your service to the Lord be described as being enthusiastic? When you're asked to do something that stretches you, are you enthusiastic about it? The Bible says here, work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Verse 12 and 13, I got to stop. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on what? Keep on praying. Verse 13, watch this. When God's people are in need, be ready to do what? Help them. Text says, always be eager to do what? To practice hospitality. Hospitality is that act of welcoming others into our homes where they can be loved, accepted, fed, served, and ministered to. Let's read that out loud on purpose together because I need y'all to hear this because during this time that we're living in right now, during this pandemic age, you know, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff has been limited and put on hold. But you know what? Uh, what I think what God is saying is we, we got to take the church out of the building. If we hadn't learned anything else, we should learn that the church still goes on. Let the church roll on. The church going to roll on, but it's not going to be because we... We're gathering in here right now, but there was a time when we were restricted from gathering, but that should not have stopped us from being the church because we should be the church outside the four walls of this physical location that we're in. 
And if we hadn't learned anything else, we should learn that ministry can still move forward as we go into our individual environments and be that light that shines in a dark place. Let's read it out loud on purpose. Hospitality is that act of welcoming others into our homes where they can be loved, accepted, fed, served, and ministered to. Glory to God. And I'm about to stop there. And I'll pick up on next week. Because we're gonna we're gonna finish out because we, we, we dealt with this emotional, growing into an emotionally mature Christian, growing to emotional maturity. Guys, as your pastor, I'm begging you, I'm imploring you, I'm exhorting you. Don't stay in a state of emotional immaturity. <laughs> 